Well, welcome everybody. This is our discipleship program. This is our second episode. Um, thank you for guys for coming. It's always a blessing. I know this is on a Tuesday, so whoever showed up today, they must be hungry. So as long as everyone can hear me, just give me a thumbs up in the, in the Zoom call and whoever's going to be listening online and in the future. So I'm recording this on the podcast and uh, so other people can hear and other people can, you know, get discipled too. So um, before we start, I want to make sure that we uh, start off in prayer. So, hey, Kevin, can you pray us in? Go for it. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day that you have given us. We thank you for the breath of life you've given us today. Thankful that we have all our needs met. Father God, we're thankful that you keep providing for us in ways that we cannot imagine, Father. Lord, we pray for this discipleship program. We pray that it's successful. We pray as protection over it, Father God. We demonic attack and we demonic forces trying to take over and interrupt. We pray and we cast away right now in the mind of Jesus. We put a hedge of protection over it, Father God. We breathe the blood of Jesus over ourselves. We pray that we can be a light to others and we can be an example to others as well. We're made in the image of you, Lord. We pray for revival. We pray for breakthrough. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Um, before we jump in, does anyone have any praise reports or testimonies they would like to share? Can you guys hear me? I can hear you. Okay. Sorry about that. I was trying to find my notebook that I had all my stuff written down and somehow it's, it's gone missing. So um, that is unfortunate, but thank God I know the scriptures. So we'll go from there. So let's... Um, Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Okay. And we're going to start on verses... Uh, three, and we're going to make our way all the way to six. So before I, before I read, um, this title is about deliverance from strongholds. And I think this is so important in the body of Christ that we know how to hold our thoughts captive. Um, what are, what are we meditating upon? What are we letting the enemy speak into our lives? And what are we rebuking? What are we binding? What are we not accepting? 
that are lies from the enemy. And, you know, I have a lot of people that tend to ask me, you know, hey, Christian, I want to learn how to cast out devils. I want to learn how to heal the sick. I want to, you know, be able to preach and do this and that. But I think as the body of Christ and as Christians in general, we need to learn how to engage in this spiritual warfare in the in the in the beginning level. Does that make sense? Like so if you wanted to cast out a demon, you need to first learn how to cast out those thoughts, right? Um, if you want to heal the sick, you need to meditate on scripture to heal the sick, or also if you want to receive healing for yourself. And this is why I really feel like this is a, a God idea and a God plan that we do discipleship because it's so valuable. It's a lost art in the church. Um, you know, Jesus did not call us to be converts, but he called us to be disciples. So I want to encourage you guys while you're here, you guys are hungry. You guys want to learn more. You guys want to engage in that realm. So, uh, you know, God says, blessed is he who hungers and thirsts for righteousness, for they shall be filled. So let's, let's carry along and let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God, for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your disobedience or when your obedience is fulfilled. So what does that mean? So first and foremost, our war is not against people. It's not against your coworker. It's not against your boss. It's not against your landlord, your husband, your wife, your, your children, whoever it may be. That is specifically saying we're not warring against that. But you're warring against a spirit behind that agenda. That spirit that is maybe operating in that person's life to persuade them to act a certain way towards you. Does that make sense? Like if someone was being more rude to you or someone was just really giving you a hard time or, or someone was really criticizing you or persecuting you or whatever, wh whatever circumstance you're in, just realize your war is not between flesh and blood, but it's between that spiritual realm that is that it can't be seen to the naked eye, but it's more real than actually the natural realm that we're in. Does that make sense? So what I want to help, help you to understand is that your weapon is not your gun, it's not your knife, it's not your bat, it is the Word of God. That Word of God is what's going to be your tool, it's going to be your equipment, it's going to be your resource to fighting these attacks, right? And, and I'm starting at this level because it's so important that we build a, a solid foundation. But also, you know, I want to get to a place where I can show you guys and, and teach you how to cast out demons. You know what I mean, it's a new thing for me, but I've learned so much in doing it that um, I think it'll be beneficial for you. I've, I've seen people that are demonically possessed and come after me and stuff of that nature. So as Christians, you know, if, if, if we're not teaching about deliverance, there's a problem there. You know what I mean? So like I said, before um, we go in, yeah, so before we go in, we're going to really get to a place where um, we're going to build a solid foundation and we're going we're gonna to pile up on it. So it says for, the, for verse 4, right? 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Now, does anyone, can anyone tell me, because I want to make sure this is um, a, a place where we can ask questions that we can learn and we can grow from each other, right? It says the countenance of your friends, right, is iron sharpens iron. This is what we're here to do. We're here to sharpen each other in a spiritual warfare right now. So does anyone have any questions about what is a stronghold? No. Okay. It's like 
like an addiction, right? Or no. So a stronghold can be many things. I, I just don't want to tell you that it's one thing because it's actually multiple things. A stronghold can be uh, a mindset. A stronghold can be an addiction. Uh, a stronghold can be a, a lust, a greed. Um, okay, like pridefulness and vanity. Right, right. Okay, got it. Right. So I'm going to give you the clear definition of what a stronghold means. <clears throat> Stronghold, <clears throat> strongholds in the Greek is achu roma, stronghold, fortress. This verse contains the only use of the noun ochoroma, which is stronghold in the New Testament. For the Apostle Paul to use such a rare word meant that it was the only term that would accurately convey his idea to his readers in the church at Corinth. He was dead serious about getting across that every prideful idea that emerged and stood in opposition to the true knowledge of God should be viewed as it were a fortress in warfare that needed to be destroyed. Unfortunately, in the ever-present battle for the minds of believers, strongholds are often not easy to spot and demolish. Thus, the Christian must ever be on the lookout for suitable footholds that the devil uses as a base of operations toward constructing spiritual strongholds. So pretty much to put that in layman's terms is that this stronghold, the enemy uses it as a snare to the believer to keep them captivated in that mindset where they can never grow spiritually into maturity, but also um, they'll never fulfill their calling uh, they, they will be so self-centered in the stronghold that they're in that they will never get to really accomplish in, a, in the assignment that God has for them. You know, strongholds are real big indicators of a demonic oppression too. When someone is demonically oppressed, now what does that mean, oppressed or possession? Possession means they have full custody of you. They're fully inhabiting you and they fully control you. Demonic oppression is where you are persuaded and you are maneuvered by the emotion and by the lies and by the whispers of the enemy in your life to act a certain way, to do certain things, and to be uh, a person that is manipulated by the enemy. Does that make sense? Is there a clear like discerning? Yes. Okay, okay. So I want to make sure we, we cover that. So, as a believer in Christ, we got to realize we're in a battle. You know, I, I lead many people to the Lord, and I forget to mention at times, is like, hey, you know what? You have inherited eternal life through Jesus Christ, and you've also inherited the kingdom of God, but you also are enlisted into a war. And in these last days, Satan is raising his army. And Jesus is raising his army, right? Now, this is not just angels and demons. They already picked their sides. But I'm talking between men, between women. They get to choose who they're going to fight for. They get to choose who their master is, right? This is in the word of God. You cannot dine with, with demons and you can't dine with Jesus. You can't eat the food of devils and eat the food with Jesus, right? You can't dine in the same table. You got to pick a side. And the thing is, when we demolish that stronghold, we, we really decide who we're choosing. Are we choosing to be with the Lord, right? Or are we choosing to do our own thing? So I'm going to carry along. I want to make sure we, I, I get as much as I can with you guys. Um, okay, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So I'm just break, I'm breaking it verse by verse, right? We're in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We went through third, we went to the third verse, the fourth, and now we're in the fifth. So what does that mean? Um, we're at a place where it says every thought that tries to cast an argument or tries to exalt itself against the knowledge of God, of God, we need to bring it down and hold it into captivity to the obedience of Christ. 
That means if I, for instance, I was having thoughts today of something that was um, lustful, okay? But what I did was I immediately spotted, okay, there's an error there. And then I said, first of all, I binded that thought. I said, you know what? I bind this thought in the name of Jesus. And I submit it into the knowledge and obedience of Christ. I said, these are not my thoughts. These are the enemy's thoughts, and I don't, and I don't take them. And then I, would, then I would also, so now, see, I use my authority, and I bound that thought. And then I started saying, I don't take possession of that thought, right? And then the third thing, what I want to mention, is replace it with the word. See, the word is going to be the absolute best thing to destroy the stronghold in your life. The word. Spending time with Jesus, being in the presence of God, but also breaking down that stronghold with the word. Now, for instance, for that moment, I could say, Lord God, I thank you that I do not walk according to the flesh, but I walk according to the spirit and I will not fulfill the desires of of my flesh. I thank you, Lord God, that you've delivered me from the powers of darkness and conveyed me into the kingdom of his son and his love, right? I thank you, Lord, that what you've joined together, let no man take it under. Do you see how I, 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 I literally put three scriptures against one thought? Jesus did the same thing, right? When the devil tried to tempt him? Yes, as it is written, right? Like Jesus would say that. Like for instance, um, I'm fasting and praying today. I wanted to eat something really good. And I said, <laughs> right? And I said to myself and to my flesh, I says, I said, man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. And when I was reading scripture, I said, thank you, Lord God. This is my, this is my daily bread. Lord God, I thank you that this is the word of life. This is the bread of life. This is the life-giving water. I said, this is, I said, I'm actually drinking the nectar of God's word. Like that's, I have to come in that place and replace that thought with the word. Does that make sense? Hold the thought captive and smack it in, smack it into submission. That's good. Smack it into submission with the sword of the spirit. And now I'm going to also keep going with verse 6. And being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Now, at first, I was like, I don't really get what that means, Lord. But this is what what it means by it. Paul is ready to punish the rebels who continue to refuse to repent. First, he must be assured of the obedience of the congregation as a whole. So pretty much what... What this is saying is that we're given an opportunity to repent, to turn away from those thoughts, to turn away from those actions of those thoughts, and subject ourselves to the obedience and knowledge of Christ. So for the longest time, I had to deal with this a lot, right? Like, I had a lot of addictions. I had a lot of lustful thoughts, pornography, you know, drugs, alcohol, partying, all these things, and what really subdue those strongholds and demolish them was the word of God, was spending in his presence, was being active to not let a thought just slip my mind, right? You can't fight a thought with a thought. You have to express it out loud with the word. Now say, hey, Christian, I don't really know the word as well as you do. Well, you can say this, you know what? I take this thought into captivity into the knowledge and obedience of Christ. I do not accept it. Get out in Jesus' name. Now, how quick was that? That was five seconds. But I will tell you 100% truthfully and honest, that thought will leave. And if it doesn't, you say it again. And again, until it leaves you. Because what it is, that thought is implanted by a spirit that's trying to persuade you to do that action. Right? So think about this. Every thought is made to become an action. Whatever you're thinking. So say you're thinking of a, a lustful thought. You know, you're like, oh, I want to sleep with this girl. Or I want to sleep with this guy. That enemy is putting that thought in your mind so that you can act upon it, which creates sin. 
So say, hey, you know, I got a lustful thought, Christian. Am I sinning? No, you're not sinning unless you act upon it, unless you, um, what's the word? Um, you also uh, not meditate upon it, but you, um, dang it, what's the word I'm looking for? Entertain it. If you're entertaining that thought to get to that place of an action, right, then you're sinning. Because remember Jesus said, um, where he says, if you look up with a woman with lust, you've committed adultery in your heart, right? Well, for that to become lust, it had to be meditated upon. It had to be entertained enough to get to that sexual perversion of it. Does that make sense? Okay. All right. So now let's go to uh, Ephesians chapter 6. Can you, uh, can you elaborate two more so they can understand that it's, it's not just lust too. Uh, if you hold a grudge, like if you're angry at somebody, um, even lying too can cause, you know, that, uh, that stronghold on you. Right. So, yeah, that, that's a good point. Um, you know, Jesus says, if you hate your brother, you committed murder in your heart, right? Um, if you can't forgive someone, Jesus can't. It says, if you cannot forgive your, your brother, your, his trespasses, God can't forgive you. So what these things is, is that these strongholds start to be developed over time. Think about as each thought is like a brick. And if you let the enemy start building that stronghold in your life brick by brick and you don't ever acknowledge it or you don't ever confront it as a soldier of Jesus, right? Then it will it will create a crippling and paralyzed effect in your life, in your spiritual walk, in your physical walk, um, in your mental walk. It will literally be debilitating. And so... It's like like Kevin said, it's not just lust. It can be anger. It can be unforgiveness. It can be lying. It can be uh, pride. It can be ego. It can be greed, right? But now, but I'm going to show you how we fight this, how we fight our battles, right? So let's go to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Now, finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh or blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Now, did you guys hear that? Yes. Okay. So, with that being said, our war is not against people, guys. It's against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. So, when we go against the demonic forces in the spiritual realm, how do we fight it? The Word of God. Okay. Okay. Excuse me. Specifically, how would you... Okay, so specifically... How will we go against this battle? Through prayer, through scriptures, what else? Okay, I'll, I'll give you... What's that? Yes, yes, that's what I wanted to hear too. So the thing is, you got to have discernment for each battle. And who's going to be the spirit that is the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of truth, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might, Holy Spirit. So, for instance, I was casting out this demon out of this woman last Thursday, 
right? And she was manifesting, it was coming out, but I had to step back and I had other believers in Christ there praying as well. They were participating in it and they're helping cast out this, this demon. And I knew it was, it was not just one demon, it was multiple demons. But the thing is, I had to have discernment, right? I had to fight it with scripture. I had to realize it was not the woman that I'm fighting, but the thing inside of her that is trying to come against me. Like for instance, we were you know doing a deliverance for about 30 minutes and I had in my spirit, I said, there's still one more spirit in there. And the other believer that was there thought the same exact thing. So what is that telling us? That's telling us that we're listening to the Holy Spirit to fight that battle in the spiritual realm. See, the Holy Spirit can see everything. We can't see that, right? We can see the manifestation. We can see the spitting. We can see the growling. We can see all this stuff. But we can't see what's actually happening in the spiritual realm unless God opens our eyes to it, right? So, with that being said, you need the comforter, the helper, the advocate, the Holy Spirit. You need the word. You need prayer. But also, I want to make sure that you guys realize, it says the effectual, fervent prayer of the righteous man avails much. So, that is James chapter 5, if you guys are taking notes. I'll pull it up for you guys, because that just came in my spirit. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. It is James chapter 5, verse 16. And the, the beginning of the verse, it says, Confess your trespasses to one another, and pray for one another that they may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now, the effectual part is that part that is actually working. It's operating. It's being effective. It's availing. Right? And then fervency, that means continuously fighting. That means being consistent with that prayer. Not giving up when, you know, you're like, oh, I'm dead tired. Usually, the, the fight really begins is when you're dead tired. <laughs> and you got no more strength in you. But it says to be strong in the Lord and the power of His mind. Right? I believe it says in Isaiah 40. You guys are pulling because the Holy Spirit's directing me in a different way that I wasn't expecting. Um, Isaiah, I believe it's Isaiah 40. Let me see if right here if I can find it. see. Right here, yeah. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew, excuse me, Isaiah 40 verse 31. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with the wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. Do you see that? We have to wait on the Lord if we're in action battle sometimes. So say if you're not getting that breakthrough, you feel like, man, you're not, this person's not getting it. Or we're not even just saying to change a person, but to change the circumstance in your life, to change a financial burden that you have in your life, to change the atmosphere in your work. You have to wait upon the Lord at times, but you also have to be effective in your prayer. And how do you, how do you be effective in your prayer, Christian? That's through the word, right? In 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, it says, Now this is the confidence that I have in him, if I pray according to his will, he hears us. And then that next verse that goes down, paraphrasing, that you have your petition. That means pretty much in our culture, in our terms, is I have my receipt. I've made that purchase. It's mine. I'm just waiting for it to come through. Just like Amazon, right? Like you order something on Amazon, you have your receipt, you have your purchase. So it'll be here in two or three days. Now you're not questioning Amazon, oh, is it going to get here? You only question it if it hasn't got there or something's been delayed. Right, But the thing is, even Daniel, when he was fasting for 21 days in the lion's den, there was that battle with that principality, right? that prince of Persia that even the archangel Michael had to fight off for that messenger angel to come and talk to Daniel. Right. Also, this is another verse too that I feel like it's coming up in my spirit. Isaiah 40, 
Verse 29, he gives power to the weak and those who have no might, he increases strength. Now look, and then this is pretty, this is actually kind of bizarre, right? Verse 30, it says, even the youth shall faint and be weary and the young man shall utterly fall. But verse 31, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles, they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So that's telling me is that when you feel weak, you wait upon the Lord to increase your strength. Because even people, your enemy will give up. But the Lord will strengthen you and rise you up, right? He'll rise you up on the occasion. He, it says the battle belongs to the Lord, but we also have to be co-laborers with God to fight with him, okay? So... Let's continue along. Let's go back to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14. Does anyone have any questions? Does anyone have anything that they would like to share? No? Okay. I'll keep going. So verse 14. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace above all taking the shield of faith which you were able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one take take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of god now think about that when it says the preparation of the gospel i just caught that that was an eye-opener for me. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 15. And having the shod your feet, so that's like the shoes, with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And then saying, put the shield of faith. Well, how can you have a shield of faith? Well, how do we know where faith comes? Where does faith come, guys? From what belief? No, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. That's how your faith is increased. That's how you're building. How can you build up righteousness? That real righteousness comes from your salvation. But you, ha- but God gave you enough faith for you to get saved. But then after that, after that first encounter with God, that born again experience, now it's your part to increase your faith. Now, if God says, if you're praying to God, God, increase my faith, increase my faith. Well, God's going to be like, read my word, read my word, read my word. (laughs) You know what I mean? He's not like, if God is saying you need a mustard seed, a faith as small as a mustard seed, that's not a lot of faith, right? But it will move that mountain though. It'll it'll bust down that stronghold though. So really what it is, it's not a faith thing at times, it's an unbelief. But replacing faith with unbelief, you'll be able to move that mountain. You'll be able to destroy that stronghold. You'll be able to conquer your enemies through the word of God. Not people, that spiritual battle, right? So I'm going to stop at eight, at verse 18 because I want to hop to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Okay, Just let me know if I need to slow down. <clears throat> Just so you guys can uh, take notes or catch up. Just let me know. Hebrews 4. Okay. So Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow. And is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of your heart. Verse 13. And there is no creature hidden from his sight. But all things are naked and open to the eyes of him of Him to whom we give an account. So pretty much to break it down. God sees everything. He knows everything. And he sees what you do in dark. He sees what you do in light. There's nothing you can't hide from him. He sees you naked. That means that there's no hiding from him. 
right? But I want to go back to the word, that word of God, which we